the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Past performance may not be indicative of future results. Therefore, no current or prospective client should assume that the future performance of any specific investment, investment strategy, including the investments and or investment strategies recommended and or purchased by advisor or product made reference to directly or indirectly will be profitable. Different types of investment involve varying degrees of risk, and there can be no assurance that any specific investment will either be suitable or profitable for a client's investment portfolio. No client or prospective client should assume that any information presented serves as the receipt of or substitute for personalized investment advice from the advisor or any other investment professional. Welcome to the Bullington Capital Report, hosted by Bill Bullington. For the next hour, you'll receive information on current market conditions and trends that could affect your financial future. If you have a question, you can participate in today's program by calling 216-901-0945. That's 216-901-0WHK. You can also reach Bill by going to his website, BullingtonCapital.com. And now, here's Bill Bullington. Well, welcome back. <clears throat> a lot warmer out there, especially than it was last week, but uh, got Sun's staying out a little bit longer. Can't wait. It gets a little bit warmer every day. Well, not every day, but the sun stays out a little bit longer every day. So that's nice. The uh, I'm telling you, I'm so ready for spring to be here and actually even getting on into summer. But anyway, um, I've got a, a few th- topics to talk about today. I know people are uh, really worried and rightly so. I mean, with all everything that's going on overseas, that you know, that's there's some worries there. They start a nuclear war. That's a, that's a big deal. Um, I doubt that it'll happen. Uh, I really do. I mean, unless it's just one last desperation, but who knows? You know, and that that's one of the reasons uh, that when you're putting together your portfolio and trying to figure out how much you can, how much risk you're taking. Just take the amount of money that you have in stock funds and cut it in half. Okay. And that's, that's a pretty decent estimate of what your risk might be. So if you're a hundred percent in stocks and half of that is 50%, if you're, if you're good, if you're comfortable being down 50%, then don't worry about it. If you're not comfortable being down 50%, then you might want to cut that back. And what do you, what do you put it in if you're not putting it in? stock funds or stocks. Well, I would not stick with longer term bonds. That's for sure. I would use mostly short term bonds and, uh, I would probably use treasuries if you have access to them. So we'll talk a little bit about that a little bit later in today's show. I'd also, depending on your age, I would look at the fixed indexed annuities 
they have rates, their guaranteed rates are probably higher than a lot of people are going to make in their stock accounts for the next few years. So that's the guaranteed rate. And they're not all the same. By the way, you really have to, these things are really complicated. And it kills me uh, to have to get familiar with a new one. But um, nothing is as constant as change, as I'm always fond of saying. So I spent a lot of time reading, trying to keep up with that. And there's some pretty good products there. We'll talk about that a little bit later in today's show. But I had a, a, I'm getting a lot of people calling in and asking. And I, I would think that, I mean, I thought that after, you know, starting this show in 1996, <laughs> that's actually when I first started doing the radio, 1996. I thought at some point in time, everybody was going to know what they should be doing. And I was very naive because I was very young. Well, a lot younger than I am now. That's for sure. The, uh, let me see. How many years is that? Well, 1996, 2006 would be 10. So 2016 would be 20. And what year is it again? <laughs> it's a long time. And I just thought that people would probably, you know, that they would know. And what I didn't really count on is that, you know, every day, 10,000 people turn 60. Every day, 10,000 people turn 60. And every day, almost 10,000 people are eligible for Social Security. So, you know, 30 years ago, they were really young, probably weren't listening, probably didn't matter much to them at the time. And so I, I, that, that thought had never uh, entered my mind back then. And now I know, well, you know, and, and even if you did uh, look, look at it a little while, because it's, it's not talked about by very many financial shows. I know why, incidentally, when you talk about markets being down a lot, the financial services industry is afraid that if you if you actually spoke the way that I do, that nobody would invest. And I got news for them. Um, they're going to find out. <laughs> if they're investing, they're going to find out that what I'm saying is true. Yes, you can be down 50% or more. And I remember reading that. Actually, there were two, uh, two of the best investment managers that ever lived, Warren Buffett and Peter Lynch. They both said it. And I was going, what? <laughs> Nobody was telling me that. I was new in the industry. And back in those days, we didn't have access to charts that would go back a long way. And we didn't have, well, we had some hypothetical software. That's, you, never mind. I, I don't even want to try to explain what that is. But the uh, the bottom line is, very few people would look at the downside. They only looked at the upside. Well, that's great. Those funds, incidentally, that have the most upside also have a tendency to have the most volatility. That doesn't make them bad. You, you just have to understand that when you add a factor, and I'm a, I'm a big fan of factor-based investing. That's actually what ETFs are. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But an ETF is a factor-based investment vehicle. There are several factors that the stocks have to meet. They've, they've got to uh, have those characteristics or they don't make the fund. They don't get in the fund. And one of those characteristics is called market cap weighting or cap capitalization weighted. And that is a, uh, that puts a momentum. It's basically momentum 
into the fund. I like that. In fact, the S&P 500 is a momentum-based fund. It's based on size and speed. That's why it fluctuates so much. I mean, it fluctuates a lot. And the reason that returns are, are higher than a lot of other funds is it has a tendency to fluctuate a whole lot more than a lot of other funds. And what, what really makes you feel bad is when your, fund, when your fund fluctuates more than the S&P and you don't make as much money. That, that's, that, that's a bummer. <laughs> so you to want to try to watch, uh, watch yourself against putting a lot of that into your portfolio. And incidentally, um, I'm just going to talk about this for the first, I don't know, 10 minutes or so. Um, it kind of ties into economics. And most people f- think, I shouldn't say most people, a lot of people think that the the news is going to affect the stock market and that they're going to basically buy and sell based on or increase or decrease based on what the latest headlines are. Let me tell you something. that That's a really bad idea. That is a really bad idea. When you see how I'm surprised the market's hold, held up as well as it has. Are you kidding me? You got a crazy man sitting there threatening to, to start sending nukes? I'm I'm amazed that the market's not down any more than it is. I mean, it, it, it really hasn't done anything more than a normal correction. And uh, that's mind-boggling to me. You know, it's absolutely mind-boggling. The S&P peaked out right around 4,780, almost 4,800. We're at the beginning of the year, and it's still over 4,000. I mean, it's 4,122. What? You know, Wow. That's very, uh, I don't know, uh, surprising and shows how strong the market really is. And uh, in the long run, we, most people know that stocks have a tendency to outperform most other investments, trying to predict which stocks are going to outperform and when. Good luck with that. That's like telling, uh, that's like forecasting how many points the Browns are going to score in any particular quarter. Of next year, you know, assuming they score, <laughs> just kidding, they'll score eventually. <laughs> but uh, anyway, that's how difficult that is, and it, you know, people are just not talking about that. And my opinion, and you know, I get, I get accused of being negative like a lot, which I think is mind-boggling, because I talk about the, you know, what would happen if the market were down fifty percent. Well, they don't want to think about that. See, I don't see that as negative. I see that as being realistic. It's happened multiple times in my lifetime. I'm not, I won't be 60 for another 18 months. <laughs> so what I'm, my point is that it's happened multiple times during my lifetime. So if, if you are under the age of 80, there's a pretty good chance it can happen again. And if it does, are you going to be prepared? Psychologically, will you be prepared? Financially, will you be prepared? And and that's what all of retirement planning comes down to. How much could you reasonably expect to make off of your investments to supplement your Social Security or pensions or whatever you have as other income? And if it's all you got, then that's all you got. That's fine, too. And how much is it going to fluctuate? How much do you need to earn, which is really a slippery slope, because I'll get an awful lot of people say, well, you know, 
I need about 50,000 a year to maintain my lifestyle. And they've got less than 500,000. Okay. That's going to be incredibly difficult to do. If you have to come up with an extra $50,000 and you've only got 500,000, that's taking out 10% a year. What are you doing year number 11? You know, that that's that's a problem. So, fortunately, you know, more and more people I'm seeing today are already they know that uh they know a lot more than they used to. There's an awful lot of information. There's, you know, shows that are like mine. There's shows that I feel like are better than mine. But that's all those guys do. <laughs> when you come in, uh, you know, my, my clients, you know, I spend most of my day on the phone. Uh, we're doing administrative stuff, helping people. Somebody's always doing something with their money. And, you know, we're there to, to provide all that service. Me, Gary, and Melissa. That, it takes all three of us, by the way. And we're hustling. Like a lot. <laughs> and we will do things that other advisory firms just they just can't do because they're they're too big and you've got to have too many rules and it's one of the reasons that i i left that industry i didn't want to have a cookie cutter approach yeah i can tell you that every portfolio we have is truly unique now it may have a lot of similar investments in it but the percentages are all different and what's really interesting is when you sit down with a, a man and wife getting ready to retire and they may or may not have talked about this very much beforehand. And everybody gets shocked when I show them that graph of the S&P 500 dropping 50% from March of 2000 to March of 2003. Notice I said March of 2000 to March of 2003 because that's where the market peaked in the year 2000. And that's where it bottomed in 2003. That's three years. Three years and it was down over 50%. When it finally got to the point where it had recovered in 2007, near the end of the year, it dropped 57% to March of 2009. What's up with March being the bottom? <laughs> March has been the, but not the bottom this year. The, uh, and uh, Anyway, bottom line is you've got these massive drops. What do you do? What types of funds? And, and here's another thing you should start to sh shift over into a mindset. What types of characteristics do uh, the funds you own have? Are you in there to try to make as much money as aggressively as you can because those have the most volatility? Or are you in there to try to earn a decent return and lower the risk of running out of money? You're going to probably want to go with funds that are slightly less volatile you're going to want to hold a fairly significant portion of your savings into short-term bonds right now. Short-term bonds, it, whether it's a fund or the actual bonds, you want to. You don't want bonds more than three or four years out. If you're doing a bond ladder, five years. I wouldn't go more than five years. I don't think you need to. Yeah, it's some, I, I'm pretty sure over the next five years, interest rates are probably going to be different. And will probably be higher. I, I, you can't guarantee that, but it won't matter anyway. If you've got a uh, if you've got a bond ladder or you're holding funds that hold short-term bonds, they'll adjust. The ladder adjusts. We're going to come back to that that topic uh, a little bit later today. But the bottom line is, 
overall, the breakdown between the amount of money that you have in stock funds or stocks and the amount that you have in fixed income is going to have a huge impact on your returns. And uh, here's one, here's another mistake that a, a, almost everybody makes. They've got half their money in bonds and half their money in stocks. The stock market goes up and they go, hey, that's exactly the way they sound, by the way. Hey, how come I'm not going up as much as the stock market? Well, because you have a lot of money in bonds. I mean, because you didn't want to be down 50%. Okay, you can't. You just can't have it both ways. Now, I like to make those funny voices on the radio. <laughs> I won't do that when you're in my office. <laughs> I do it on the radio because I got to get your attention. You're probably driving. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I don't know how many people actually listen to ho- at home or pick up the podcast. Do you know this is available as a podcast? Yep, you can go to my website or you can go to uh, the Fish's website and they carry it as a podcast. So if you hear something that you want to go back and review, uh, you can do that. And I've been working for, oh, geez, I don't even know, <sighs> years on writing a little book to try to summarize everything. Do you know how hard that is? <laughs> I haven't gotten it done yet, but I'm, I'm getting there. And see, the hard part is culling out all the stuff that's just not necessary. And what's interesting about psychology, when somebody thinks something's really necessary, I, Bill, I really need to know exactly how much I'm going to have to pay in medical expenses that Medicare and my supplemental insurance won't cover. Okay, first of all, it should cover it all. If you have a if you have a supplement a supplemental policy, you do have to go to doctors who will accept Medicare and won't do this thing called balance billing. You have to talk with the doctor about that, and it's a pain in the butt. I know it, but if you don't have a supplemental insurance policy, or if you have a supplemental insurance policy that doesn't pay everything uh, that they are legally allowed to bill you for, okay, that you're going to have to come up with an estimate on that. And uh, we don't really do a lot of that in my office, but uh, I'll tell you why right after these commercial commercial messages. This is Bill Bullington right here on 1420. Stay tuned. You are love. You bring light to the dark. Did it again. Started reading and forgot what I was supposed to finish. <laughs> okay, yeah. Uh, thank you. That's uh, our producer there. Just whispered it. I, I don't think you guys could hear that. <laughs> so it was. Yeah, where we're talking about medical expenses and uh, during retirement, there are a bunch of different figures out there. And I'm going to tell you, I've been doing this for an incredibly long time. Everybody is different. Everybody's different. I've seen people who didn't spend a dime. I mean, nothing. They just stayed healthy 
until they passed away. And boy, do I hope that happens to me. But not normal. Okay. I've been seeing a lot of people stay healthy right up until they don't. You know, and then they might hang around. My father died just a couple of years ago. Well, yeah, two years ago. And uh, he was fine right up until like three months before he passed away. And the last 90 days, you know, just uh, shriveled up to almost nothing and just went away. So you see, uh, uh, I'll see a lot of that. That's not quite as bad. That's probably in the middle, I think. Uh, and then other people are just sick for years. I had a really good friend. He was a professional comedian. He was actually on that mo- in that movie uh, about uh, the Christmas story that was filmed on the west side of Cleveland. And uh, he was one of the uh, uh, the hillbilly family from next door that had all the dogs. <laughs> and his name was Mike Veneman, a poor guy. The uh, he that was just uh, Lou Gehrig's disease, and that that's just really sad. The only positive of that is it that's generally not that painful. Uh, your body just actually slowly shuts down. But um, man, that was uh, really sad to see. So anyway, you know his medical expenses were astronomical. So, so you just, you really can't know, uh, you can't know that kind of stuff in advance. You can try to plan for it, put some money aside, maybe have an insurance policy that pays for that kind of stuff, put that in your budget. So if that's, if you're really worried about that, then, uh, yeah, I would probably take a look at some of that stuff. Uh, I'd also talk to an estate planning attorney. But the uh, uh, because there are some things that you might be able to do that would really help you out that way, and that's one of the the things that a financial advisor, even the uh, CFP, the College for Financial Planning, talks about. You know, financial planners not trying to do everything, but trying to be uh, knowledgeable enough in a in an area in a field where you can make good uh, referrals. Kind of like the uh, MD refers you to a specialist, and it's. The same way in financial planning now. Investment planning is a big part of that. And uh, I'm actually um, an accredited you know, investment advisor uh, or financial advisor. And I've got a uh, AIF is the designation. It basically, you know, it's, I don't know. I, I, I didn't think the course was that hard. <laughs> Quite frankly, I didn't think it was that hard at all. But I've seen, I've taken a lot of these CFP exams in the past, and it's just never quite finished it. Okay, I guess life gets in the way, get too busy. But uh, this fall, by the way, I am taking the. Uh, I'm going to take a review on the income tax. It's changed so much over the past several years. You know, with the pandemic, they came in with a bunch of rules. They were changing it before that, very pretty quickly. So I will never do taxes for a living ever. Hey, taxes. I have a tax preparer that does mine. I just want to be able to understand what he's saying. <laughs> and, um, and that part too, that, that's another thing. I mean, everybody makes everything so complicated. I mean, so complicated. And realistically, you know, with, with income taxes, yeah, you can get really fancy. Um, my experience has been the fancier you get, the, the larger risk you run of being audited and getting in trouble. So if you have income, claim it. You know, if you have deductible expenses, take them. But don't try to create deductible expenses and don't misreport uh, your income. Bad idea. <laughs> yeah, that's a really bad idea. So pretty uh, that in that way, it's pretty simple. 
Uh, they keep changing the brackets, the rates, you know, what's deductible, what's not deductible. That's why, uh, you know, I would not do my taxes myself. I just wouldn't do it. There are too many changes. And the changes are constant. You know, that's one of the things I thought that would have changed when I got out of college uh, way back in 1987. And they had just changed the entire tax code, well, the vast majority of it. And it was uh, Ronald Reagan saw, saw to that. And it was supposed to simplify. And it did simplify quite a bit. It did make it a lot easier. And then as soon as that bill passed, they started changing it and adding to it and taking away from it. And that's basically our life story in this country. They just keep making new rules and changing them. Sometimes change just for the sake of change. That that, that kills me a little bit. I mean, I think there should be some improvement there uh, instead of just making changes. And the people that are, are prone to do that don't even realize they're doing it. It's such a part of their personality that, you know, they're like, what? <laughs> The rest of us are trying to simplify everything and, and try to get it as efficiently as possible. And that's kind of a big deal. The efficient portfolios. How do you do that? Well, it's gotten a little bit easier lately. You've got fixed index annuities, which I never thought I would ever sell. I, I mean, I looked at the products back when they first introduced them. You could get a better return in treasuries and CDs and other types of bonds or bond funds. That's when that when they first introduced them. And a lot of people were buying them because, you know, they were they've got guarantees uh and uh, they were getting stuck on that guarantee and back in those days too the a lot of people sell those by saying, "Well, you know, the if the investment does better than the guarantee, then you're going to get that." Yeah, but if you look at the way they're invested, I mean, you'd have to have some really good years, really good years. The types of years like 1985 through 19, I'm sorry, uh, 1982 through 1987. If you had a time period like that, there's a pretty good chance that the stock market probably beat the guarantees. Or if you went from 1995 up through March of 2000, those time periods, the market did incredibly well. And yeah, you'd, you'd probably, you might beat the guaranteed portion. But it would still be close. That's my uh, that's my point. You know, it would still be close. In both of those time periods, by the way, ended with a crash. Crash eighty seven. Remember that twenty percent in a day, one day. Market was already down fifteen percent from its high in August, and uh, then you get two thousand three, two thousand three on your hands. Then you got two thousand seven through two thousand nine on your hands. You want to include all of them over that time period? I wasn't old enough to be investing in the mid-1970s, but it had happened then too, 1972. I can't remember where the uh, uh, market was down. S&P was down about 50. The NASDAQ, I think, was down 70 or better and took a long time to recover. I think it was 1982, and then it took off. And see, that's the thing. Markets returns are so unpredictable you know, in, in, in the long run, you have to make some sort of an estimate of what you think you might be able to make. And uh, you know, in, in a couple of minutes, I'm going to I'm going to lay out some of the factors that you might want to look for when you're uh, talking to a financial advisor or you're you're searching for investments to make on your own. the The number one way that people 
pick their funds is based on performance. What they don't realize is that they're basing their performance on what's just happened over the past 18 months. Nine out of 10 times, the best performing funds over the past one, three, five, and 10 years are the ones that have just gone up a ton. Now, can you see what the danger might be there? If you picked something that went flat or sideways for several years and all of a sudden it just takes off, what goes up? When that sucker comes down, the uh, not if, when that comes down, and it's not going to give you a warning that it's coming down. When it comes down, you, you're going to be hurt. Okay. And, you know, it's okay to have some of those funds. Those funds are based purely on momentum. The ones that, that drop the most are normally based on momentum. Normally. If you take momentum and you add to the momentum, momentum is speed, by the way. How fast are these stocks going up? And your better or, or uh, more aggressive funds that will make everybody happy when the market's going up fast are the ones that use capitalization. They're, they're measuring the value of this, the whole company, and the faster it's moving up, the more they're adding to that fund. That makes sense? So when you hear the word capitalization, what that means is momentum. They're looking at speed and size, by the way. It's actually a combination. Size and speed, which is fine. That's the S&P 500. That's exactly how it works. You give it a long enough time period, works pretty good. But if you retired in March of 2000, see, I, this is why I'm not retiring, because I know the same thing's going to happen if I retire. <laughs> March of 2000, market goes down 50%, over 50% over the next three years. Finally recovers in 2007, and then over the next two years, goes down 57%. By the time all is said and done, 12 years later, you're still waiting to show a profit in that fund. One of the better That's one of the better performing funds in the world, by the way, with a 12-year negative return. Lovely. <laughs> that's before you paid any fees, by the way. So talk about adding insult to injury. Now, if you would have taken, let's say you had 50% of your money just in stocks, another 50% held short-term bonds, and you came in every year or every other year and rebalanced, you said, okay, I've got X amount of dollars. How much of is it in bonds? How much is in bonds? How much is in stock? Okay, I'm either going to sell some of the bonds and add to the stock or sell some of the stock and add to the bonds, depending on which category did the best. And I'm going to bring it back to 50-50 because that's what I'm comfortable with. That's the risk I'm comfortable in taking. I just took years worth of personal finance experience and tons of classes and put that down in in 60 seconds. Put it in 60 seconds. And I think it's pretty funny. And, of course, you know, you've got... There's, there's some people in the world, a lot of them are professors. <laughs> and uh, I've had a lot of those professors, and I've had a lot of the good ones, too, the ones that, that speak like I do, that said, hey, look, okay, here's what the book says, and here's what that means, and broke it down, plain English, uh, memorizing some terms was um, still mandatory, but tried to keep it as, as simple as possible. And 
thank goodness for those guys. And uh, yeah, back in those days, it was mostly male. By the way, they're, they're prejudiced. The uh, but in fact, my experience has been that most women get it quicker than most men do. So you know, especially if they're married, and I don't know why that is. You know, married women have a tendency to to be much more understanding and, and basically do but they're better investors on average and that maybe that's just my personal experience that's not how it really is but that, that's been my personal experience and i got to take a quick phone call right now and uh, by the way if you'd like to call in the number is 216-901-0945 216-901-0945 and going to phil phil yeah hi how are you doing i'm doing well uh how are you today oh pretty good See, um, Bill, with the market kind of taking a hit here over the last week or so, mm-hmm. do you think it makes sense to you know, buy on the dips? I think it depends on how long you're going to be holding your investments, you know, how old you are, and how much risk you're willing to take, just like I was saying. I think, yeah, you could go ahead and rebalance your portfolio. Market has a, a 10% or has had a 10% or, or more drop Every 12 to 18 months for the last 100 years or so, it'll ha- it'll have a uh, 20% drop at least it's had typically every four to five years. And then occasionally you get a, a doozy like the 50% drops. So instead of trying to guess at, at where it is, you can take levels. Let's say I'm going to, when I get down this percentage, then I'm going to rebalance. Or you could just take a calendar. Every every other year, I'm going to rebalance the portfolio. I'm going to do it that way. I know a lot of people who do it on an, like three or four times a year. Um, most of them end up not doing quite as well, by the way. That, I, and I don't even know what the answer to that is. <laughs> I mean, why does that not work as well as doing every other year? I, I have no clue. <laughs> um, I have an, a suspicion that it's because you're holding stocks longer. And whenever you get a piece of one of those really big moves that the market has a tendency to put in in a relatively short time period, you end up capturing a bigger chunk of it. That's my personal opinion, but I don't have the, I don't have the data to prove that. So it has to stay a personal opinion, (laughs) but I I think, I I think now is it would be fine if you wanted to go ahead and do that. You've got a correction now market peaked back in uh, December, uh, 2021 it's down about 13 percent or so from uh, where it was there that that's anything more than 10 percent considered a correction when it goes more than 20 percent it's considered a bear market it could ease we could easily have a bear market no, no problem with all the stuff that's going on all around the world and as slow as things were moving even before russia decided to you know or not russia putin decided to lose his mind um, that slowed a lot of things down even more. And like I said, I'm, I'm just surprised that the market's only down this much at this point in time. And mm-hmm. I did, I did something I haven't done in years. I bought some, uh, treasuries in my account, <laughs> but, uh, Hey, I, I got a, uh, quick commercial break. Did you want to hang on or do you want to uh, take off? No, no, that'd be good, Bill. Thanks very much for your insight. Yep. Thanks for calling. This is Bill Bullington. I'll be right back after these commercial messages.
we're back. Hey, this is Bill Bullington. Here every Saturday morning from 11 to noon. I don't know if you've noticed or not, but uh, I'm pre-recording a lot of my shows now, but this one is live. So if you wanted to call in 216-901-0945, feel free. If you'd like to reach out and just hook up with a phone meeting, brief phone meeting, I'm glad to do that. Uh, go to my website, bullingtoncapital.com. You'll find my phone number there, which is 330-664-0700, 330-664-0700. And I'm on a mission for the, for the remainder of my career to try to make this as simple as humanly possible. Now, not all things financial can be made simple, not all of them. But for the vast majority of people, it's actually pretty simple. When I say the vast majority, I'm talking about 99%. There is always that 1%, you know, that those billionaires, there's nothing they do is simple. <laughs> it, when you've got that kind of money, it's just not simple. But uh, for the rest of us, it, it can be made a lot simpler than the industry wants you to wants you to think it is, and and I get it. You know, they're marketing. Um, I still I I can't remember the name of the the author, and he's super famous. Uh, he wrote the book, "All Marketers Are Liars," and then he crossed that out and put "Tell Stories." <laughs> oh shoot! Why can't I remember his name? Because, because anyway. <laughs> So I was going to talk a little bit about the uh, the guaranteed lifetime income you might get from a fixed indexed annuity. And here is why I am talking about these now. So let's say you're 66 and, and next year you're going to qualify for full Social Security. So and you plan on taking it. And we wonder how much you know you you could get. You've got a hundred thousand bucks as part of your fixed income account. And bonds are out there, you know, a good treasury, you know, paying 2.2. It's not a ton, but it's better than a CD and better than most bonds that have risk. Okay, so the the difference between that and the income, you know, the income on a 2% bond, by the way, on $100,000 is $2,000. Okay. The income on $100,000 that you put into a fixed in, indexed annuity next year could be uh $5,956, according to a nationwide guaranteed lifetime income on their website. If you'd like to see that website and put your own numbers in there, just hit me up with an email and I'll send you out the link. You can uh, pull the page up. It doesn't ask for any questions, any personal questions. You can just put the money in there that you were thinking about investing, uh, something that you wanted to guarantee a lifetime income on, and then it'll let you know. Now, having said that, so if I put $100,000 in and I'm getting $5,956, that's almost 6%. Okay. That's going to remain fixed and they'll keep paying that for as long as I live, even if that account runs out of money. That's a big deal. They will also pay to your beneficiaries minimally what you put in. So if you put $100,000 in, the market crashed and you, you uh, hadn't made any money, the worst case scenario is your kids would get the hundred or your beneficiaries would get the hundred thousand that you started with. Now, if you start taking money out, they'll subtract out what you've taken out from what you started with and guarantee that. So it's, it's kind of a, you know, you can't do that with a mutual fund and you can't do that with an exchange traded fund. And if you decided that, well, 
yeah, the money's nice, but if I wait a year, I'll get $6,461. By the way, this is on, I'm, I'm reading this right off the website. So again, if you want that link, just hit me up in the email and I'll send it to you. So if I wanted to wait a year, uh, a year pat, so that's basically two years from the time that I started, they'll guarantee $6,461. And then the year after that at $69.80, the year after that at $74.98. So every year that you postpone taking it, it goes up. And that's this is unique to this environment, and these rates have come up a lot since the... Uh, these products were first in, um, invented. So that's, that's actually why I started talking about them a couple of years ago, because you know what, when I'm looking at what you might make in bonds, um, you're going to have a really tough time. Actually, the stock market will have a tough time keeping up with what this is going to do. The vast majority of investors will have an incredibly difficult time keeping up with this. So it's just another, uh, arrow to keep in your, what do they call the things you carry? Carry the arrows are they are they quivers? Yeah, just an arrow in your quiver. <laughs> you would think that being from the south that I would know that, <laughs> but uh, anyway. So just a thought, you know, it's a good thought. I think it depends on your personality, and that's what uh, mm, I don't. I you know I don't know. I don't see it as much as I used to, but it's like this one size fits all. Uh, every time anybody would come out with a new product, hey, this is the best thing since sliced bread for everybody under any conditions. Yeah, no, it's not like that. So that, that's one of the reasons that one of the jobs that you have as a, a financial advisor is, you know, something may make sense financially for somebody, but if they're so uncomfortable with that, that they're going to abandon the, the plan the first time the market starts getting rough uh, or something happens that they didn't expect, and it, it's all for nothing, and you've you've messed up. So it's very difficult to sit and imagine. Okay, all the various scenarios that that you could possibly see if you're doing this. Uh, if somebody's just doing it for themselves, you know, because you don't see all the things that can happen. I was talking about earlier, like healthcare. How do you how do you plan for healthcare? Well, you, you get a good policy, by the way. And that you, we need classes in this. They literally need to t- start t- teaching classes in this. When you go on Medicare, or if you go on Medicare, you might have other health insurance provided by your, you know, the governmental agency or whatnot. But for the vast majority of people going on Medicare, you can buy a supplemental policy. There are uh, maximums that the doctors are allowed to charge outside of, and there's a schedule that the federal government sets that. That's what those maximums are. Your supplemental policy is supposed to pay all that. Now, you can if if you agree to something, and I I have noticed this in almost every doctor's office I go into, that they're getting you to agree to pay beyond what your Medicare and your supplement would pay. You got to watch that. And the thing that really kills me about that is the people that are filling those forms out, they're in their sixties or older. I mean, uh, that's. Well, people start to slow down when they're doing that kind of stuff. And especially when you get up into your, you know, seventies and eighties. So it's something you got to be really careful about. And, uh, you know, if you've, if you're in your seventies and your eighties, you might want to ask your, if you have kids, you might want to ask them to, to help you with that. 
help you make those decisions. And there are a couple people that I know that uh, specialize in that area, uh, the, the medical insurance for retirees. I'll see if I can get them on a show here over the next few months uh, because it that's a big deal. That That's the number one risk for the average retiring American is the cost of health care. That's, that's the number one risk. Now, if you're so wealthy that, you know, it doesn't matter, great. You know, you, you can cross that off your list. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, in fact, I know a lot of people like that. I actually have a few of them as clients. It doesn't really matter, you know, what's going to happen there. And so, and some of them like to, didn't realize that it, it didn't matter. Okay. So here, here's what you're doing. Here's why we're doing it. Here's why you're doing it. Here's why your insurance agent uh, recommended that particular policy. I, I get it when I see it and you're good. So, uh, again, you know, feel free to, if you hear anything in here that you want information on, feel free to call me. And I can hear the guys that, that always want me to talk about stocks in the back of my mind. I can hear them going crazy right now. So I'm going to, uh, go over here and, oh, you know what though? Um, because this is a Saturday and when this runs a scan, it goes <laughs> as if it's doing it in real time. And which means that there are no stocks <laughs> making the scan because the stock market's not open. So sorry. Um, I'll get back to it uh, next week. I promise I'll, I'll lay it out for you. And, and incidentally, um, I don't know how many times I've written this, but when you're looking at individual stocks, trading is very difficult under the best of circumstances. It's very hard. Most people don't get it. It's a, uh, they try to guess at where they think the stock might go, and, and it, they don't really develop a, a methodology. And this is kind of what we're talking about the whole day today, whether you realize it or not. When you get when you're looking at funds and they've got factors, that's a methodology. Uh, that means you got steps. It's like a recipe. And I like a lot of the uh, I really like a lot of the ETFs that are out there. But even if you're doing individual stocks, you know, I've got a I've got one stock. I'm down, I don't know, probably 60 or 70% on it. And at one point in time, I was up about 200%. And I just decided I'm going to hang on to it. I've actually added and taken money out of it, but mostly adding lately. And uh, that's just the way stocks move. And um, now that I hear the music, boy, this hour went by really fast. So again, if you heard anything that you'd like for more information on, just go to my website, BullingtonCapital.com. This is Bill Bullington here every Saturday morning from 11 noon. Have a good week, everybody. Good luck and good investing. You just caught another edition of the Bullington Capital Report, broadcasting every Saturday at 11 a.m. on AM 1420, The Answer. If you have a question and you'd like to speak to Bill personally, you can call him at 330-664-0700. That's 330-664-0700. Or online at BullingtonCapital.com. That's BullingtonCapital.com. The preceding program has been paid for by Bullington Capital Management, LLC. 
Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.